0: Welcome to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Broad. I'm your host, Michelle Broad, founder and CEO of Michelle Broad LLC. And I'm really happy to share this hour with you where we examine all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that may bring. You guys know I like to start by thanking Ms. Beverly Black and Tribe Family Channel for helping me create this space for us. Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows that explore life, spirit, business, and culture including the woman at the well hosted by Ms. Beverly Black herself. Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel. And though we have grown onto our own platform, we are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we are here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. I want to say thank you to my guest on the March 17th, 2023 show, author and educator Anne Arsenault. You can connect with Ann on social media, and her books can be found on Amazon. If you miss that show, make sure you listen to the replay. You can find our complete show archives, including the March 17th show, at the the somewhereinthemiddlepodcast.com. I also want to shout out Bruce George of the Genius is Common Movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. This is an important message, and I hope you'll share it with the kids. But it's not just for the young people. We all need to be reminded sometimes that the world needs our genius. Learn more about the Genius is Common movement at www.geniusiscommon.com. Now this month's guest reminds us that changing course may be needed to find our joy and our purpose. Some of you may remember Jason Zara. He's interviewed on this show before, and that was in his previous career. Since then, he has shifted gears. And you'll learn more about that during the interview. Jason Zara owns and operates Blue Moon Estates, providing professional quality estate sales throughout the Inland Empire of California. He has worked with chambers of commerce, as well as in marketing, journalism, and as the owner of a retail store. He has an MBA with a concentration in marketing and a passion for helping business owners succeed. Jason lives in Fontana, California, with his wife, Chris. And they have one daughter, Amber, as well as a koi pond and six chickens. So I'd like to welcome Jason Zara to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Barard. Jason, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Absolutely. It's great to see you again, Michelle. I appreciate your time. Good to see you too.
0: I was glad we got to catch up uh, several weeks ago. And it really just, i just some of the things that have changed for you since the last time we had you on the show it's just amazing to me. Um, There've been some good changes, some not as good changes, but I think all change ultimately works to our benefit. So why don't you share with the audience where you are now, who you were (laughs) and where you are now?
1: Sure. So my current venture is Blue Moon Estate Sales which I started just over six months ago. I bought the local franchise and that's kind of been a, a dream that I didn't know I had come true. It's just so much fun treasure hunting and seeing things we've never seen before but it's also an amazing service for the families. We take a lot of the stress off their plates at a really hard time and so help them transition to whatever they're doing next whether it's relocating, moving, selling the house, It really is a trying time. Um, But hey, trying times are kind of the name of the game. Uh, My recent count, I've decided this is my seventh full-blown career and it's my last one. This is it, I'm sticking with this one. I don't have time for any more, but uh, (laughs) so yeah, most the transition happened during the quarantine when I'd been working as a life insurance salesman, not very successfully. Far less successfully when the whole world shut down, and I suddenly had to try to transform my person-to-person networking skills into Zoom networking skills, and uh, it was it was going nowhere fast, to be honest. But I met a franchise broker, and we got to talking in a one-to-one, and asked him what he did and how he did it. And it turned out he was very good at his job, because three months later I owned a franchise.
0: That's awesome. But tell us now about the business. So it's estate sales, but what exactly do you do? When do people come to you and what do you do for them?
1: So most of our business is referred by realtors because basically somebody will call the realtor and say, I want to sell my house. And the realtor will say, great, get all your stuff out of it. (laughs) That's where we come in. So We literally come into their home, set it up like a high scale retail environment, lighting, fancy tablecloths, everything on display, and we price it and sell it. And everything is gone by the end of the weekend. The whole process is usually about a week long. And we found that we found basically that it's much easier to move with a check in your pocket than it is with a truck full of stuff.
0: Wow. So you sell everything for them from the glasses, to the furniture, to the.
1: Absolutely. We always say if it's not nailed down, it's for sale. If it is nailed down, it's negotiable. (laughs) As long as it's legal, we can sell it.
0: (laughs) So do you do that just for people in homes? What about people who are moving out of apartments?
1: Apartments are a little bit trickier because a lot of the complexes won't let us do the sale on site since all of our sales are done at the home. Uh, apartments and storage complexes are a little bit trickier but not impossible and we also do business closures and so we we have a sale coming up at a warehouse and so really anywhere that people have enough stuff they need to get rid of we can go help them move it along.
0: Wow that's amazing so and I have to ask um, sometimes people have passed I imagine and their children are selling the house or something like that is that also in that purview?
1: Yeah, that, that's a smaller percentage of the cases than you would think. Oh. A lot of times it's people relocating to senior living or downsizing to a small apartment after many years in the family home. Mm-hmm. Um, but inheritance inheritances are kind of what I was referring to when I said we can take a lot of the stress away. Because okay. the most common thing I hear is the kids will be going through 40 years of mom and dad's possessions and they just don't know what to do with it. They don't, mm-hmm. they love it all. They grew up with it all, but most people, you know, adult children have their own home and their own furniture and don't have room to suddenly duplicate everything, especially in 40 year old styles. So.
0: Yeah, I vaguely recall that process with my grandmother's things. And it was, it was cause you spend a lot of time kind of just feeling sad. And then discovering things, which is really cool. So, do you all discover things and maybe check with the family and say, "Hey, this looks like maybe a memento you might want to keep. What do you want to do with it? How does that work?"
1: Yeah, absolutely. We, as we're going through the process, we set aside buckets of uh, personal possessions. We always find photos, bank records, social security cards, um, and we find money. We'll we might find a diamond engagement ring, you know, tucked into a desk drawer or an old class yeah. ring, anything like that that we find, we're certainly going to return to the family, mm-hmm. uh, or at least you re- contact them and give them the option to keep it. But we're not going to just slap a price sticker on it and put it out on the table.
0: So, what about this business was so appealing to you?
1: It kind of combines several of my past careers. Uh, I think you know I used to run a comic book and game shop so I did a lot of buying and selling of interesting collectibles back in the day and I always loved that component um, but I also missed having a team working for me life insurance is, was very much a solo gig for me mm-hmm. and so now I have 19 employees again and I really enjoy just working with with people giving them the opportunity helping contribute back to the community it's really it makes a big difference having a staff and Making you know having that opportunity for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, the entrepreneurial life can be really lonely in certain areas. And um, so like life insurance and um financial services, things like that sometimes can be really tricky. But you have all of that wealth of knowledge, along with all your other careers, to bring into this business. How does that financial background help in this current business?
1: Well, it it, and obviously it helps me keep the business running, first of all, because there's it's kind of a tricky business model. We have no income and then a huge chunk of income and then no income because the only thing we do is provide estate sales. So Mm -hmm. if we have a big estate sale, we have a big cash flow. If a week or two goes by where we have no estate sales, we have no cash flow. And I've got a lot of employees who like to do pesky things like eat and pay rent. And <laughs> you know they, they know that it's a part-time shift work gig. So they're not usually relying on us as their sole income. But still, if, if people like paychecks, go figure. And so that financial background really lets me adjust, you know, forecast and adjust for how the business is going to go. If we have income tw- twice a month and no income twice a month. I can smooth it all out and make it all work. And so we're able to keep the lights on, keep the employees paid, keep the benefits flowing.
0: Awesome. And, you know, you really hit on something that's pretty important that I think a lot of um, people starting businesses don't always think about. It's like when you start getting a team, you're kind of responsible for those people too, Right. You yeah. have a, and you have that sense of responsibility. How does that change how you navigate in the business world versus working on your own?
1: Well, I'm fortunate enough that my wife makes a good living. And so when my business has its down times and it was just me, I could coast for a while. It was never really a problem. Um, but now, no, like you said, knowing that I have all of these people, It's not just about wanting to find work for my business to do well and to thrive. It's also about needing to keep all of my staff employed and engaged. And so I don't, I don't really ever take that day off. You know, life insurance, eh, I don't feel like doing it this week. I'll try again next week and nothing changed. Nothing mattered because it really wasn't a cumulative effect as much, Uh, whereas the you know, here I'm out every week networking again and meeting realtors and meeting estate attorneys and meeting families and uh, the constant, it's I mean it's fantastic for me that I'm back to being busy after a couple of years on the couch. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so it, it really does help motivate me to keep it all going. The financial background gives me the ability to smooth it out. And the collectibles background helps me with a lot of what we see and how to price it it's It's been a good mix of and of course, the marketing and chamber background helps me with the finding new clients and finding new introductions. And if I go a week now without meeting a dozen new people, something's gone wrong. So
0: <laughs> well, I think that's fabulous. So your staff is what mostly students or who who comes and wants to work with you on this sort of thing.
1: Yeah, students and retirees are kind of the two primary targets because, since it is very part-time and very hit and miss, it's I ideally I'm finding people who aren't needing the paycheck to survive. Um, but it really is ideal for them because it's completely flexible. We post the shifts that are available. They sign up for the ones they want. So there's never any question of, oh, I have class Tuesday night, but my manager scheduled me. It doesn't work that way. Right. Right. Awesome, awesome.
0: So tell me, how do you feel now? Because you made this transition if I recall correctly, for a couple of reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, The pandemic kind of, what do we wanna say? Put a crimp in everybody's. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely put a crimp in our style. It put a crimp in everybody's style for a while. But did that also give you time to kind of reflect on what you really wanted?
1: It did. I don't know how much you want me to get into health and life issues in this talk, but um, you know, during the pandemic, I was diagnosed with leukemia. And so part of part of the impetus for change was that my financial services business had been kind of on a 20 year plan. and all of a sudden, I'm not sure a 20 year plan made sense anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the things and one of the background factors in getting me up and going. Um, and that was that combined with the pandemic was just not good for my motivation and my emotional health, and mm-hmm. you can imagine, I'm sure. Uh, so something new and exciting, like I said, something that had to be attended to. I you know, working working seven days a week is actually much better than sitting on the couch feeling sorry for yourself seven days a week if you have to pick one. Oh yeah. Um, so you know now I'm getting my managers trained up and. Working on that work life balance again, but it was, it really was the kick I needed to get back off the couch and out into the world and doing something important again. And so it's been great in that sense.
0: Well, and so the pandemic was a catalyst, maybe in a couple of ways, it sounds like. Um, and a lot of people have expressed it that the pandemic really helped them to kind of reframe how they wanted to live their lives, you know, that's what now they're talking about the great resignation or silent. They called it the first they talked about the great resignation where people just kind of quit their jobs. Now they're talking about silent quitting, um, where people are like, you know what, I'm not gonna go above and beyond for my job anymore. I'm just gonna do my job, which I think is interesting. How does that does any of that factor in when you are thinking about your life now? Especially with the leukemia diagnosis?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it really, I guess there's so many factors. It's hard to sometimes, it's hard to keep straight exactly what the uh, driving force is at any given moment. But the, I lost a lot of people in the pandemic. I saw a lot of people really struggling. And like you said, a lot of people just didn't want to go back to the, unappreciated, minimum wage, long hour grind for no good reason. It wasn't, it's suddenly not worth it when you realize that you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And so of course that message of not being guaranteed tomorrow was driven home to me from both sides. And yeah, it's just, so one of the things I love is that I really can take care of my employees. I had one who was out for a while with surgery and was completely surprised when I paid her sick time Um, because you know being shift work there's not always so much with the benefits and we're still a new company so we're still growing into it but she's been a very good she's been a very dedicated worker which is a challenge to find right now you know all of the uh, people saying nobody wants to work at all right now I think that's a gross overstatement but there's an element of truth under there somewhere too Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've had employees say, well, I don't want to work on the weekends or too early or drive too far. Or it's like, if I can work precisely at 3.15 p.m. on a Tuesday, I'm in there. Otherwise, nah. <laughs> so it, it is interesting. But I think a lot of the you, know, you treat them well and I pay them decently and, you know, better than minimum wage, better than fast food wage. Um, I wish I could pay them all big bucks, but I wish I could pay me big bucks too, maybe in a year or two. Um, but yeah, the, the business is growing. And so we're excited about the prospects for all that. And the, my employees have all been very understanding that we're growing into it. You know, the, the 401k won't be launched for probably another six months, just, be, but they're excited that I'm going to offer it at all. So, Right.
0: And you're in California, so California also has its own—I want to call them—unique <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: requirements for business and things like that. And that in other states, like some of the southern states in particular, where I'm, you know, where I'm from, uh, they might say they're not so business-friendly.
1: Uh, yeah, I think you uh, might say that. In fact we've had people leaving the state, which we do their state sales they're getting out of California to go somewhere more business friendly.
0: So what do you think is happening with with all of the shifting and moving in California because you mentioned it so people are like, I don't want to drive too far. I'm like, uh it's the LA area honey. I don't know if there's any way around.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh that was one of the first things I discovered is basically a 25 mile radius is what we consider in area and after that I pay mileage because you can't ask people to spend an hour each way in traffic for nothing and so that's our kind of our cutoff there but yeah and there's a lot of people leaving the state there's a lot of people moving around but I kind of see it from both sides I'm very involved in the chamber world and the business you know the legislative side of things and so while you could definitely argue it's unfriendly, there also is underlying logic to most of the problem, you know, most of the things that drive people crazy. Minimum wage gets you can argue minimum wage is getting out of hand. You can also argue people should be able to pay rent and eat in the same month if they go to work every day. So right. um, you know the environmental requirements are harsh and strict, but You can see the, uh, you can see the coastline in LA where you couldn't twenty years ago. So, I like breathing. I like eating. (laughs) So
0: breathing is good.
1: You know, there is most of it is not quite as tyrannical and whimsical as people seem to think it is. It does add up to a tough environment to work in, and especially a tough environment for a small business getting started. But. Mm Um, I also I've seen both sides of it for long enough that I appreciate you know even like the gas taxes people complain about it's like well you complain about the gas taxes and you complain about the condition of the roads pick one
0: I don't know you know my only beef in California is you have high gas taxes and the roads are also crappy <laughs> <So> right, right. <laughs> to me it's like I think they did pick one
1: <laughs> well yeah and so. I could go off on long tangents about the divergence of funds and things not not being spent the way they're intended, and administrative costs getting out of hand. But um, well, that's inter-
0: all over the country. I'm I'm picking on California right now, but that's well, all over the country.
1: <laughs> we pick on California plenty, but yeah, it's it is a difficult environment. But I mean, especially with the inflation and gas prices, it's not like you know, it's not like gas is free everywhere else.
0: <laughs> right. Well, you know, and I think it's interesting though, that, you know, when you think about running a small business, having a team, having to kind of factor all that in, like you were talking about, you know, a 25 mile radius is about what we can handle. And after that, we've got to charge mileage because it is expensive for your team too. It's not just the business absorbing costs. So, you know, how does that translate, you know, for your staff? Do they understand that That sometimes you make certain decisions in an effort to help them too, or how does that work?
1: Yeah, most of them are, I've told them sometimes, you know, I I took a small sale or an out of area sale because we had a gap in the calendar and it was better to have a not ideal sale than nothing. Mm -hmm. And they're appreciative. They're also appreciative, of course, that they only have to sign up if they want to so they never you know, I never am going to call them and say you've been assigned to work in another office 100 miles away which happens to my wife sometimes <laughs> you know there, there's no mandatory business travel there's no it, it's all up to them so they appreciate the options even if it's not obviously we would all love it to be super convenient every time but it just doesn't always work out that way yeah And then by design, we're going to do a sale in Temecula, which is going to be probably a 90 minute drive, but Temecula is a stunning area and the things in this house, my my staff gets bonuses if we hit certain levels and there's an expectation of bonuses going to Temecula. So
0: I would imagine. So Temecula is (laughs) beautiful. That's awesome. No, I think that's really interesting though, from a strategic standpoint, like, yeah, this isn't ideal, but we can make this work because, and do you find that keeping your team in the loop, like really, do you find this better to kind of over communicate with them on a certain level to make sure that they understand what your logic is for some of these things?
1: I do. And a lot of it's just about trying to make it as convenient for them as possible. I'll tell them I have a probable sale in three weeks. I'm not posting shifts until they sign the contract. But if you want to work that week, keep your calendar clear. And that way they can make their own decisions. That's one of the trickiest. One of the things I do for my staff is I promise them if I post a shift and you take it, you're getting paid for it, whether or not we actually need you to work because sometimes the sales will get, will get wrapped up early or the client will cancel at the last minute or any number of things can happen. Um, but so the way I explain it to them is if they commit their time to me, then I'm committing to their paycheck. So since I'm paying them whether they work or not, I obviously try really hard to keep the communication clear and make it all work out.
0: I think that's awesome though. That's, but I think a lot of people don't realize, especially like young people, just you know, getting their first couple of jobs whatever. I don't know that they really realize how much uh, particularly small business people really want to make things work for their employees and really want to take care of them. And that's going above and beyond, to be honest okay. with you, Jason. Most people would not necessarily pay the staff if let's say the sale wraps up early, you sell everything in an hour and they were set up for four-hour shifts. Uh, for most people, it's like, okay, I saved three hours worth of labor for each of those staff members.
1: Yeah, since I can't guarantee them steady hours and I can't guarantee them big bucks and great benefits, the one thing I figure I owe them is some loyalty. If they, if they commit their day to me, they're getting paid for it.
0: So is that just your personal philosophy or how how did you come to decide that was the way you wanted to run your
1: business yeah a lot of the way i run my business is very much my personal philosophy there are some things that are industry standards that i just don't find ethical so i don't do them even though i could make a lot more money um you know I, obviously i would like to make a living at this at some point and you know right now i'm not even taking a paycheck it's a brand new business very few entrepreneurs expect a paycheck in the first six months of a brand new business so i'm not i'm actually ahead of projections so it's looking good um but like i said that while my goal is to make a living at it there are just too many things you can do in this in these cases that are very unethical that are common practices It's uh, you know i've mentioned it's stressful it's a very vulnerable time of life for the Mm -hmm. families involved whether it's their own possessions or their families they're a lot of times they're being downsized not necessarily entirely of their own volition Mm -hmm. you know i met a couple that were leaving their home after 40 years and were furious about it but they were in their early 90s and just couldn't Mm -hmm. keep up anymore and so needed to move to assisted living but it was breaking their hearts Mm -hmm. and There's a common industry practice where whatever doesn't sell, the estate sale company will clear it out for you, which means they take it home and sell it themselves. And to me, that would just be setting up to be essentially competing with my own client. Mm -hmm. Because if I sell it during the sale, they get their percentage. If I don't sell it during the sale and I take it home, they don't. So I'd be incentivized to fail at that point. And that just really bothers me. So um, I'm on my soapbox now. But yeah, there are certain things that I think it's more important to be able to live with myself and like myself than to make the most money at the end of the day.
0: No, I think that's really important that you have kind of grounded your business in who you are and what your personal values are, as opposed to, oh, well, this is what everybody else does. So I'm presuming that that is partly about how you live your life in general.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially since the pandemic and I've just really been refocusing on giving back. I've put a lot of time into service clubs. I work with Kiwanis and, um, you know, like I said, being able to offer the employment to my team is a big deal. I've been making more contributions and we take a lot of the items from the sales and donate them, um, especially th- things that aren't going to sell, like use linens and v- bedsheets and blankets. Mm-hmm. We get them all to the animal shelters where they're in huge demand. Really? And, oh, yeah. The animal shelters go through blankets and towels by the ton because um, you know we, they use them as bedding. They use them to clean up. That's not they're not really equipped for industrial strength laundry. So they end up throwing them away more often than not. And so they're always looking for that. We, whenever we, fu- we donate um, wheelchairs and walkers and things like that, when they don't sell, we'll give them to nonprofits that will get them to a good home where they're in need. And so a lot, of, again, it's not about, can I get 50 bucks for a wheelchair? It's about where does this wheelchair need to go and where will it do some goods? So,
0: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So if you had three pieces of advice for someone who wanted to get into this type of business, what would those three pieces of advice be?
1: First would be build a team that you can trust. When I do my job interviews, I tell them, all I ask of you is honesty and integrity, everything else I can teach. You know, it's great if they have experience, it's great if they're into sales, but I can teach that. Mm-hmm. So honesty and integrity is what the whole team building is about. Um, my second piece would be, don't be afraid to say no. It's, this is probably true for all entrepreneurs, but there are clients that are not a good fit. And there are clients that are, that come with big armadas of waving red flags and it is hard to turn down business in your first six months but sometimes it's the best move and after that I guess it would just be you know that same honesty and integrity that you expect of your staff make sure that you give it to your clients it is they're literally opening up their homes and their lives to you in what's probably the toughest time they'll ever have And you really just need to be worthy of that trust.
0: That's amazing. Jason, that's one of the reasons I love you. You're a fabulous person.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Michelle.
0: (laughs) No, thank you. So Jason, how can people connect with you? How can they learn more about your business?
1: Sure. Um, Thankfully, I have a wonderful digital marketing company. So we're very easy to find online. Uh, BlueMoonEstateSales.com is a national website with national marketing but if you put it in by zip code you'll find the local one and here in southern california that's me they can also contact me directly Zara at lumenestatesales.com or find us on instagram twitter google all those places that i don't have time to deal with that my digital marketing company make sure we can be found
0: awesome jason zara thank you so much for being on somewhere in the middle with michelle Perard.
1: It's been a pleasure, Michelle. Appreciate it.
0: Well, that's our show this month, guys. You can reach me online at michellebarard.com. That's m-i-c-h-e-l-e-b-a-r-a-r-d.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Urban Book Editor. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. Make sure you tune in for the show on May 19th when my guest will be leadership coach, William Attaway. You can find us once a month on Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at the, Somewhere in the Middle podcast.com. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. Peace and blessings, y'all.